I'm at Camden BRI with Steve Spice, Head of Regulatory Affairs, and Dr. Julian South, Head of Chemistry and Biochemistry. And we're discussing what it is that companies exporting products to the UK need to do in order to ensure that they comply with relevant legislation and standards. So, Steve, let's start with something that might seem obvious, but what are the consequences of not complying? Well, mistakes with labels could lead to expensive product withdrawals uh, and even recalls where there are safety concerns. For instance, if an allergen declaration is incorrect. Beyond labels, products can be held at border inspection points if they are found to be in excess of regulatory limits, such as aflatoxin levels in pistachio nuts, which happens from time to time. Ultimately, all these matters could end up in court, leading to a prosecution. You could also have implications for import duties and also VAT. If you're a UK company importing from outside the European Union, you have to classify your goods for declaration of import duty. And that can be quite complicated and uh, may require analytical advice. If we start with labelling then, what are the main issues that exporters to the UK need to be aware of? Well, I suppose first off and most fundamentally is their own rules in their own country are unlikely to be satisfactory here in the UK. And it's worth noting that in the UK, most of our law comes from the European Union and is changing as well with the implementation of the Food Information for Consumer Regulations. There are three kind of key things which I'd highlight that people should be aware of. Nutrition, additives and allergens. Of those, nutrition jumps out the most. There's very different content around the world. For instance, in the US, you might well see trans fatty acids on the label. Uh, and even cholesterol as well, and that's all perfectly fine there. But in the UK and the EU, that's not so satisfactory, I'm afraid. Similarly, in the US, you may see calories being shouted at loud and proud on the label, but here you can do that, but you'll also have to give equal prominence to kilojoules as well. Another thing you'll notice, and perhaps one of the most obvious, is the order of declaration is quite different here as it is to other parts of the world. And if you're making a claim on a product, such as zero carbs, that's a nutrition claim and a health claim, you need to make sure that the legislation here permits it. And in the circumstance of zero carbs, that's certainly not the case, I'm afraid. For additives, what's permitted and how it's declared differs around the world. So if you're thinking of declaring a colour on a label as FD and C yellow 5, just be aware that that's actually tartrazine here and requires a warning statement as well as it's linked to hyperactivity in children. And we also need what is known as function categories in the UK. So if you just want to put on mono and diglycerides, that won't work here because in the UK we're very polite about things and we like to announce what things are. So we would actually declare that as an emulsifier first just to explain to a consumer what it is. Analogens, under the Food Information for Consumer Regulations, these now need highlighting in the ingredient list itself. So the days of just declaring it as contains are numbered, I'm afraid. And so in the US, where you just put contains, that wouldn't be satisfactory, I'm afraid. And there are different allergens, rather curiously, in different parts of the world. In the EU, we seem to be concerned about mustard and lupins, but you might not see those things declared as an allergen elsewhere. So these are just a few, and there's quite a list of other things to be aware of as well. But these are the key ones, and it's about awareness, really, of the rules that apply here. Well, there is an analytical dimension to this as well, and it may be necessary to use some laboratory analysis to confirm what's actually being declared on the label. And we have good experience of this at Camden BRI. We have up-to-date reference methodology for the majority of nutritional analyses, 
And in some cases, things like vitamins, we have very advanced analysis which can very accurately determine whether your label is as accurate as it says it is. And are there any other examples where analysis might be relevant in supporting this? Well, yes. I mean, olive oil is a good example where a lot of bottles declare extra virgins as the grade. And this is well known as an area of high activity in terms of food fraud. Now, we have a large number of analytical uh, parameters with olive oil that we can actually test, including undertaking organoleptic analysis. Also, for nutrition claims, there are particular rules. So you might want to change that zero-carb claim I mentioned earlier to low-sugar or reduced sugar. These are permitted claims, but they have compositional standards set against us, and we can test those in our laboratory to ensure that the claims can be made. One thing we can't help you with, though, is claims around weight loss, much as some of us would personally like to, as they aren't permitted here, I'm afraid. We focused on labelling so far, but beyond labelling, what other areas of regulations might an exporter need to be compliant with? Well, other regulatory things to look out for are contaminants. Uh, I mentioned aflatoxins, but there are many others as well. Pesticides feature quite heavily, packaging and food hygiene as well. We've, of course, got another analytical dimension to this, and we have a range of highly advanced methods for the majority of chemical contaminants, things like heavy metals, mycotoxins, acrylamide and packaging contaminants. But we can work with uh, Steve's team in terms of helping you interpret whether the results of the analysis actually meet with the legal requirements from the commodities that you're importing. So what sort of support do you find that companies come to you for? Well, we find uh, clients coming to us to ask about label checks and often confirming whether additives are permitted here and what levels they uh, are allowed at. Label checks often require us also to check the nutrition and health claims that I mentioned as well. Yeah, with the analytical uh, support for companies, quite often we're asked what methods we should employ. And there are, of course, a variety of methods and ensuring that you're using the correct method is very important in terms of meeting a legal requirement. We're also accredited through our third party, uh, UCAS, for the majority of our analysis, which relates to labelling, giving additional confidence to companies. And many companies come to us specifically because of that accreditation. And in addition, of course, uh, interpreting the data and things like uncertainty of measurement and what the result means. And we can support in a wide variety of areas such as this. In terms of training, we offer training in a wide variety of areas, uh, both bespoke training where we can come to the client and we can uh, develop a training course specifically tailored to their needs, or some of our more general training courses, which we run at, here at Camden BRI. And we can offer a, a particularly useful training in the area of tariff classification. So we can help you understand the classification codes that need to be declared when you're importing goods. And this has proven to be a very popular course for companies that are, that are importing from areas of the world where maybe there's less knowledge of how the goods fit into the classification system. Steve Spice at Julian South, thank you both very much indeed.